0: Jcastnetwork.org.
1: Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Matt Goldstone, and today we're studying Psachim Daf Chet, page seventy-eight. Today our Daf continues an ongoing discussion regarding an earlier Mishnah on Daf seventy-six B, which lists various offerings that can be brought in a state of impurity, but which cannot be eaten. In this context, the Gemara asks whether our Mishnah agrees with the view of Rabbi Yossi, who holds that the golden seats worn by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, does not allow impure foods to be eaten, even if they can be offered on the altar. Over the course of the ensuing discussion, several different cases emerge where we find a conflict or non-ideal situation where the Gemara constructs dichotomies in a quest for uncovering the proper practice or motivation for the law at hand. For the next few minutes, I'd like to briefly consider three of these different micro-discussions, from a somewhat more abstract perspective. The first element that we find, which already appeared in our Mishnah previously, is the question of Dichuyah and hutra. On a fundamental level, the question at hand is when two different mitzvot or values come into conflict and only one can win out, what happens to the one which gets overridden? Does it merely get pushed off in this particular occasion? but remains lurking in the background for the moment when the competing commandment disappears, this is thuya, or does it disappear entirely, hutra, and actually cease to apply in this situation, even in a case where the competing value may not apply as forcefully. On a practical level, the difference between hutra and thuya is generally minuscule. However, the point at hand is not primarily about practical ramifications, is more of a conceptual investigation into the actualization of the religious legal system. One might expect, in ideal circumstances, that at least that mitzvot and values would never come into direct conflict, allowing all of them to be performed in their proper space. Yet, reality as we know is far more complex, and often we find ourselves in a position where we must choose between two mutually exclusive options. The curious thing, however, is that one might expect that in any such case, the rabbis would assert that the mitzvah, which cannot be performed, is merely pushed aside to a passive state of potentiality, to chuya. But they raise the alternative possibility that maybe the other commandment is simply permitted, hutra and no longer has any effect in the given situation. On the one hand, we might see this as a way of alleviating our anxiety over our inability to perform all the commandments. When there's a conflict, one of the competing requirements simply falls away. But on the other hand, this opens us to the possibility that not all of the commandments were meant to apply with equal force at all times. Perhaps built into the very legal system itself is a recognition of the necessity of conditionality, both with respect to the lived reality as well as to other components of the legal system with competing claims. Moving to a second conflict that we find in our DAF. The Gemara discusses what the motivating factor is that allows impure sacrifices to be offered in the first place. Is it because of the power of the golden seats worn by the high priest, which represents a point of divine connection with the cult? Or is it merely the fact that the sacrifice is brought on behalf of the community that overrides prohibitions against impurity in this situation? On some level, we can view this as a simple dichotomy between whether sacrifices are primarily intended for God or for people. If the former, then the seats must be the factor allowing for this unusual situation. But if it's the community which constitutes the target audience for sacrifices, then the fact that the impure offering is brought by the community at large is enough to ensure its acceptance. Applying these dual perspectives to general outlooks on Jewish ritual as a whole, we can frame this debate in light of polls held by such thinkers as Yishayahu levitch on the one hand, who promoted a view of understanding ritual as primarily for the sake of the divine, in contrast to someone like Mordechai Kaplan, who emphasized the role of the community as the fundamental standard for determining the important meaning of any ritual act. Perhaps we can find some indication of these two trends already at this point in the Talmud. However, we should not draw out this analogy too far. Suffice it to say that the question of the human versus divine role and sacrifice in Jewish law is generally not a novel issue. The final point that I want to touch on on today's stuff is the question of whether the eating of a sacrifice is an essential component. The general trend of the sugiah, at least according to Rabbi Natan, is that consumption is ideal but not necessary for the korban sacrifice to be considered effective. As an example, the Gemara notes that the korban Pesach is brought as a group offering by several individuals who sign up for a particular animal. This allows for the possibility of everyone signing up for a single animal, even if there would not be enough to go around, at least according to one position. We can tie this question of the fundamental role of the sacrifice back into our discussion regarding the nature of sacrifices in general. Is it about the actual offering of the animal? Or is it our consumption, that visceral experience and enjoyment of the sacrifice? Is that also of primary import? Again, we can also understand this to be a debate on the topic of human versus divine aspect of a sacrifice. Is it about the bringing? or enjoying of the offering. We've touched on three different but related topics in today's Daf. The first, when two commandments come into conflict, whether the one which is not performed falls away partially or completely. The second issue, on the topic of whether God, as symbolized by the tzitz, or the community, is primarily responsible for allowing the unusual case of an impure sacrifice to be offered. And finally, the question of whether a sacrifice must be eaten or if it is sufficient for it to simply be offered. Each of these cases helps to hone our understanding of how the rabbis thought about the purpose and nature of the mitzvot. What is interesting for us is less the conclusions that they ultimately reach and more the very fact that they ask these questions and engage in these issues of conflicting
0: possibilities. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.